Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, thanks for joining us today on Mortification of Spin. We want to talk a little bit about a heavily trafficked post that was uh, recently connected over at uh, Desiring God. It, it, it deals with a question of, of great sensitivity and the propriety of, of whether or not husbands should confess all of their sins to their wives, specifically the post here, which is a an, an audio uh, blog from Pastor John Piper, uh, where he commends this idea of husbands confessing to their wives their lustful thoughts. Now, certainly, we, we do not want to discourage people from following the scriptures and where it makes a lot of sense and where it can be very helpful to uh, lean on our brothers and sisters to confess sins. Sometimes we confess those sins specifically, sometimes uh, perhaps in more generalities. But what we really want to zero in on is how wise is it or how helpful is it for husbands to confess their lustful thoughts to their wives. Piper gets into the issue by quoting favorably some words of Jackie Hill Perry, and I'll just read it for you because it's very brief. Miss Perry says, how often are you honest with your spouse about your lustful temptation? When it comes to men, I think it might be two reasons why they might be unwilling to share with their wives about their struggle. One, they like it. They enjoy entertaining the fact that other women want them or the ideas that pop up in their minds about what they could do with other women. That is a hard issue. Two, you women are too insecure to take it, exclamation point. Every time this man wants to let you in on what he is struggling with, you want to get in your feeling. So what are you trying to say? You were thinking about another woman and she is in your dreams. You're telling me I am not worth dreaming about now? Girl, <laughs> girl, calm down. You should let the fact that he let you into his heart give you security and the reassurance that he loves you. Letting our spouses in our issues gives them opportunity to hold us accountable and pray for us, and it uproots any opportunity for Satan to wreak havoc on our marriages through secrets. So be honest with your spouse. Now, after that, John Piper goes in and commends those words and goes so far as to say, Husbands, you need to confess your lustful thoughts to your wives, and not just the fact, he says, that, that you're picturing things, but confess to them, you know, acknowledge what you want to do in these lustful thoughts. And so I, I think the implication is clear that we're to be specific in telling our wives the lustful things that we imagine. Now, this link has gone out to hundreds of thousands of people as far as it being connected to perhaps millions of Reddit or, or listened to the podcast and the question before us is, how wise is this? How wise is this for spouses to confess their lustful thoughts to their husband or wife? Carl and Amy, what do you think? Well, I would step back from the specific issue, mm -hmm. first of all, and, and point to a couple of what I would regard as general truths that I think should shape how we respond to a post like this. The first is, I think it is problematic to offer 
a one-size-fits-all solution or proposal on an issue that is extremely complicated. Uh, The ability of a a wife to handle such confession, the ability of a husband to frame the confession wisely, these are things that are very couple-specific. So I think, first of all, the idea that one could give this advice as a general principle that applies to everybody and to do that over the internet without knowing the specifics. I think that's bad pastoral practice. Yes. I think marriage counseling requires the person doing the counseling to have a working knowledge of the specifics of the marriage. Yes. Secondly, I would draw a general theological point and say, you know, we ha- we're, we're, we're now in the 500th anniversary year of the Reformation. One of the things that drove Luther's Reformation was his realization that he did not need to confess every specific sin in order to be forgiven by God. That yes. was one of the pathological problems he had before the Reformation, that he felt the need to confess everything in order for his penitence to rise to the level of salvation. Mm. And I don't think we, we should lose sight of the freedom yes. that Luther's gospel brought to Luther. And if we don't have to confess every sin to God, because bottom line is we don't know every sin right. we've committed uh, to God. If we don't have to confess every sin to God because Christ's blood covers us because we trust in him for our salvation, then I think that has implications for whether we need to confess all of our sins to everybody down here on earth. Right. You can grab those texts in the New Testament that talk about confess your sins to one another. But it's patently obvious they're not referring to confessing every single sin to everybody because then we do nothing else. Right. So I I think there's a a methodological problem here and a theological problem in the advice that's being proposed. Indeed. Amy? Yeah. I mean, it strikes me as odd how over-sexualized these conversations become because here we are talking about confessing our sins and, and so he's going into thought life here mm-hmm. and immediately it becomes the husband's lusting for other women. And that's the topic that is interesting. But if we were to take this same concept and move it to friendships. So, mm-hmm. okay, let's go to the sermon on the Mount where Jesus says that, okay, every lustful thought you have is adultery right. and every angry, hateful thought that you have is murder. Do we confess all of our right. uh, hateful thoughts that we have in our friendships? Would that be a healthy thing to do? Of course not. We know it isn't. Do we confess them to God? Yes, we do. You know, in prayer, when we recognize it Mm -hmm. as the sin that it is, we go to him in prayer. But I think focusing on this lustful thoughts things, all of a sudden you're over-sexualizing every woman that your husband is in contact with during the day. If we want to talk about healthy marriages and curbing lustful thoughts, you know, Paul's charge to Timothy to treat the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Like, why don't we talk about that then and and building good relationships instead of focusing on these lustful thoughts? Right. Well, and, and again, you know, the, the the text you just read, Amy is, is a reminder that if we are to, you know, if men are to love women as, as sisters in Christ, well, one of the things you don't do is put an unreasonable burden on the people that you love. And, you know, I, I can think of multiple instances, one of uh, some good friends of my wife and I, and, and the husband being driven by exactly this kind of counsel, 
went to his wife and told her that he was lusting after her best friend. Well, this placed upon her a, a terrible burden. Now, I, if that husband was struggling with that, he should have gone to his pastors or his elders or his brothers in Christ so that they could help him carry that burden, but not his wife. That placed on her a burden that she struggles with to this day. Now, he may have felt better. He may have felt unburdened, but he right. burdened her. It ruins friendships, process. too. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it also just wreaks havoc on the wife to feel like she's got to be thinking about this all the time, comparing herself yeah. to other women, right. you know, being good enough. It, it was really interesting. I posted a link to this very post that we're talking about last week on uh, on social media and I just put a general word out there saying guys this is bad advice please don't follow this and and thus proceeded over 80 comments on that thread oh, wow. and what was fascinating I saw what you're was, getting comments exactly well what was fascinating is that very many of the men who were coming in agreed with that some of the men were really taking me to task, though, saying things like, so you're saying we shouldn't confess our sins. So you're saying we should be keeping secrets from our wives. But what was fascinating was that from what I could tell after reading through as many of those comments as I could, every woman that commented agreed with me. They don't want to hear every lustful thought. Now, some of them were nuanced and said, now, if my husband is having a a struggle that is really you know, verging on debilitating, then I want him to get help. I'll need to be involved somehow. But mm-hmm. please don't tell me all of your lustful thoughts. Yeah. This is, and this points to a much broader sociological point, and that is privacy is important. Yeah. Right. Uh, we live in an era, I think, tragically, where the private and the public have been, the boundary between them has been eroded almost to the point of non-existence. Yeah. And yet civilization depends upon proper boundaries of privacy. Today, it seems that unless it is performed in public, it isn't authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would go on to draw a connection here to pornography. I would say the irony is this kind of advice arises in some ways in a pornographic culture in an odd way. I'm not thinking here of the lust, but I'm thinking of pornography in some ways as taking the most private and intimate of human moments and making it a public performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we see that here when every thought that I have going through my head has to be performed for somebody in a mm-hmm. confession. I think we're seeing, you know, it's worldliness. It's the destruction of the boundary between the private and the public. And I think mm. that's lethal for yeah. civilization generally, Indeed. not just for marriages. Are we saying that you should never confess a sin to anybody? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. right. Luther had an interesting position on this. Luther himself always maintained the practice of confession to another priest throughout his entire life, but he absolutely refused to make it a necessary point of Lutheran church order because mm. he felt it was well, that would have turned the gospel into the law. It was not something you could require. It was something you could advise and encourage, but you could not require it. I think here we see, again, a, a shift where you know, the gospel is being made into a bit of a law at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The minute somebody thinks that they're up to date on confessing yeah. all of their sins, yeah. then they then 
they have a low view of how many sins yeah. they actually yeah. commit. Well, and it, to me, it goes again to the heart of the issue. When when Paul says, you know, Christ became sin for us, he's pointing to the fact that sin is ultimately an identity. It's not an accumulated pile of actions or thoughts. Mm. It's actually the identity of being a rebel. If you're in Adam, it's like being a member of the United States at war with Germany. It doesn't matter if you're firing bullets. You are at war with Germany because you're an American. And, and sin's the same. The problem is not, it's not ultimately this act or that act. They're simply, most say, they're merely sacraments of a deeper status. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Carl, I think it was you that said not long ago, it's it's a very good thing that God did not give us the ability <laughs> to read minds. Yeah. Um, you know, the world is hard enough. It would be absolutely unbearable if we actually knew what each other were thinking at any given moment. Yeah. Oh, and another thing is, if you're doing this little inventory on all your sinful thoughts, it, I think, was it Luther that said you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair and living so. there. I think so. I mean, I, I think of that with this because, you know, we do have sinful thoughts go through our head. But right. if you have to reverse and back that up and overanalyze it yeah. and talk to yeah. your wife about it, the next thing you're doing is you're you're really building a nest there for yeah. lust to, yeah. to yeah. further keep blooming, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, you should dismiss that thought, go mm-hmm. in prayer, you know, and right. focus on treating one another as brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. the Yes. I must admit, it's been a long time since a bird has nested in my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Very little material to work with. You only have to look at me to see how truly sanctified I am. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's a good point, Amy. Uh, And again, it goes down to the, we shouldn't be obsessing. This is, you know, let's not make this a law. Let's not lose sight of the sufficiency of Christ's blood for salvation. And that's not to posit antinomianism. I think it is to posit the biblical gospel. Right. right. Well, and men, I mean, if you're having these kind of thoughts, replace that with, you know, scripture about how women are image bearers of God, you know, like replace it with truth. Right. And, move and, on. Let, and let me just say this for those who still want to stubbornly hold on to the idea that we are advocating secrecy within marriage. No, we're advocating discretion and love and care for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let me just illustrate the absurdity of this of this accusation of secrecy. I have very dear friends that I've known since not long after I was married. They're just a few years younger than my wife and I. And within six months of their marriage, this very wonderful, godly young man said to his new wife, because he had been struggling with what he believed were sinful thoughts towards her. He told her that that he had really struggled with, with frustration with her because her rear end was too big. Now, now when did, when did he get out of hospital again? Exactly, exactly. This is a this is a true oh story. This is a true story. This man was motivated. Oh, he was motivated yeah. because he sees, hey, we're supposed to confess our sins. I have this sinful thought. I'm mad at my wife because of her rear end. So therefore, I'm obligated to tell her. Now, I, I, I shouldn't Was he mad to, at God over his wife's I, rear end? I, I, I shouldn't have to tell you that some two decades later, she remembers that moment vividly. This is a friend of yours, right, Todd? Somebody you know? So. Yes. Somebody I know. Somebody I know and love. And, uh, 
but, I but wish in, God would have given me friends with more hair, but at, you know. at that at that moment, um, it was um, <laughs> oh, it was gosh, very it was very foolish. Yeah. So again, he he unburdened himself. But he placed upon her a burden that she'll probably remember the rest of her life. So for him to not go to her with that would not have been, quote, secrecy. It would have been maturity and discretion and love and tenderness. And like you said, Todd, he probably felt much better after saying that. Right. He just unloaded that all on his wife. Right. 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 Common sense is greatly underappreciated in society (laughs) in general. And in the church, yes. Word of the day, common sense. Right. We, you don't need you don't need people telling you to to do this kind of thing. I would also add, just as as a sort of almost an appendix here, there can be a cult like quality to this. Mm. One of the ways that the cults flourish is making people open up about things that are private because it involves a level of humiliation. Yes. And it can do damaging things to somebody's appropriate self-respect and self-image. So, you know, I would say if churches started to require this, get out of that church. Get out, yes. get out of that church. That is not a healthy environment to be in. Indeed. And just one more thought before uh, one of you two wraps us up. I think there's a connection here with the celebrity pastor problem. Look, if you need marriage counseling, if you need somebody to speak into your marriage, which a lot of good couples need, you need to be in a church with good pastors and good elders so that you can lean on them. You do not need to go to Pastor X, who has a massive following, who doesn't know you and will never meet you. You need to be in a church with good pastors and good elders. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a good note to close on, Todd. As Todd has said, you really need to get help from people who know you as human beings and understand the dynamic you have with your spouse and are able to speak wisely and apply biblical principles specifically to your situation. Well, we hope you found this discussion uh, helpful. Please visit our website, uh, mortificationofspin.org. Please remember, too, that we're a listener-supported podcast. If you feel able to make a donation, please do. Uh, And in the meantime, we look forward to being with you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... And and just as a follow-up, on that what is your what is your favorite kung fu movie <laughs> I, I have no concept that there is such a thing oh well i'm very sorry to hear that <laughs> it it should be enter the dragon if you ever ask that one again uh well let me
let me disclose something about myself to you, since we don't know each other well. I disclose very little about myself <laughs> to my congregation from the pulpit. That interview is next time. Join us then. talked about that the more crazy it seemed yes i i mean i just there's so many layers to problems on on, on my facebook page where i post this all of these sanctimonious guys coming on there well i confess everything to my wife and i want to say no you don't (laughs) and that's what happens when you make the gospel into law it feeds self right it can feed despair it can feed self-righteousness